Fall in love with failure. I'm Woo! telling you. It's real. <laughs> I love it. It's real. It's real. It's, it's a part of it all. Like, you, you're not going to meet one successful person in life in any endeavor that hasn't, you know, effed up or gone through their fair share of failures. It just, it's just a part of the, the game. And so if you don't like getting knocked down, if you don't like, you know, messing up and, and you know, things not working, going, going your way, then it might not be for you, you know? Mm. And so I think you need to really have something that you genuinely are connected with, that you are passionate about, that you love and that you can't be without, because if you don't, you will quit. You will quit because you're going to run into obstacles. You're going to mess up and push comes to shove. Like if you don't love it, you're going, you're just going to bow out. So fall in love with failure. Hi, my name is Prince Daniels Jr. And I'm a former NFL running back, an author and thought leader who lives by the mantra, nothing is impossible unless you truly believe it is. I found the game beyond the game talk that talk as a place for thought provoking and inspiring conversations with professional athletes discussing life's transitions. Game Beyond the Game is an ecosystem for professional athletes to cultivate the mindset to discover their overall purpose and vision in the game of life. And now it's time to talk that talk with your MC, Stan Pearson II, and myself, Prince Daniels Jr. Now it's time for me to introduce the Rockstar guest, like I always do and like we always do here at Game Beyond the Game. So I want to present to you all Malcolm Lemons, who is a former professional athlete turned entrepreneur and author. He is the founder of Athletes Unheard, a digital media platform at the intersection of athletes and mental health. He is also a two-time author of Lessons from the Game and is the best-selling author of the book Impact Beyond the Game. And today we're going to be really intentional about discussing mental health with athletes and beyond. Wherever you are, clap your hands, stomp your feet for Malcolm Lemons. Malcolm, how you doing officially, man? What's going on, fellas, man? I'm loving the energy in here. Appreciate the opportunity and introduction. Anytime, anytime and always, man. Let's hop right into it, man. Tell us where you're from, man. Tell us where, and we know that you're the one and only Malcolm Lemons. We we know that. We talked yeah. about that before we hopped on, but tell us where you're from, man. Tell us what brings you here right now. Tell us about you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, you know, I'm a kid from, from you know, Washington, D.C., born and raised, grew up like like most kids, wanted to pursue a dream of becoming a professional athlete. And I chased that throughout high school, college, um, obviously comes with its fair share of obstacles and adversity. Um, but I had my tunnel vision set on that dream. And so um, ultimately ended up, you know, having the opportunity to go play overseas for a couple of years in Japan and uh, just an incredible and valuable experience being able to travel the world and experience a different culture and, uh, you know, getting paid to do to do something I love. And, you know, as with most athletes, um, you know, you do that for a little while and you transition out and you got to figure out the rest of your life. So I've uh, been on this journey for about, you know, three, four years now trying to figure out my, my passion and purpose beyond the game and uh, just enjoying the process and enjoying life. So uh, trying my best to, you know, be an inspiration to the next generation coming up. Awesome. I'm going a, I'm to a throw something at you really quick and then we'll just dive on in. So you mentioned playing in Japan, which I think is amazing and being able to travel the world. Sometimes athletes, depending on the sport, they may feel like, OK, if it's not here in the States, then it, it's not going to happen or I'm not able to adjust somewhere else. What was it like? We talk about transitions throughout this whole conversation. But what was it like being in other countries and certainly being in Japan, as you mentioned before? 
How was that for you? Did, did that change you in any way? It was terrifying at first. I mean, uh, my, my first year playing overseas was the was the first time I've been out of the country. And so really, yeah, yeah, I'd never been out of the country before. So you, you think about Japan, it's on the other side of the world. And right. Asian culture is completely different. I think in Europe, you might you might feel a little bit at home more than, than you would in certain Asian countries. And so I got over there and I just I, I was lost. But but the one thing it taught me was how to survive that first year playing overseas. My first two weeks over there, I didn't have a bed. Uh, we weren't getting paid. The general manager of the team had gotten sick. So there was all type of issues. We were walking to practice. I had to walk a mile to get food and, and a mile back. And it was it was a disaster. And I ultimately ended up leaving early that year. But I learned more about myself just those couple months being in Japan and having to fend for my for myself than I have you know ever in life. And so it taught me how to survive. It taught me how to be more open minded and um, really see the world from a different angle. So I think I gained a better perspective uh, being able to travel and immerse myself in a different culture more than anything else. Did you ever get paid for being there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There we go. He answered the question. I, I, there's some people over there that still owe me a couple of dollars. <laughs> Let's ride out. We cut an interview short. We headed back east. <laughs> you know, how do you got tell? You know? <laughs> some people over there. You know, I got I to gotta run, you know, run some numbers over there. But we're going to say that for a different day. <laughs> like that's a different interview. That's after hours. That's right. game after hours. <laughs> Did you learn the language man you know did you learn um enough of the language to be able to navigate your way through the country so my second year i went back to japan and and i was over there for a little while longer and i actually started to to pick up on a, on a couple of things while i was over there i taught myself how to speak um just some some basic you know japanese so i can get around and oh, yeah uh, out in public i needed to use the bathroom <laughs> after that, so yeah I, I learned it but it's one of you know any anything you gotta consistently uh, keep up with it for it to be fluent, and I, I, I've, I've lost it now. I know a couple of words, but I can't. Yeah. Man, so I've, I've been to Japan. Um, what? How was it for you, man? Uh, what, what did you like about it? You know, like I tell you, the one thing that I was fascinated by, and Stan, like when uh, we were, there's a certain area, right? You get off the subway, and there's a there's a um, there's a Starbucks there, and so the Starbucks is on the second floor, and you can look down and look at everybody crossing the street. And I kid you not, like as soon as the light would turn green, everybody would just be going in different directions, right? <laughs> and so then the then everything would clear out, and then it would fill right back up. Yeah. And and like everybody's ready for the next light. I was like, wow, this is like clockwork. It mm-hmm. was crazy, you know. So like, what was the one of the things that you were fascinated about when you went there? Yeah, yeah. I think you're talking about. You might be talking about Shibuya, Shibuya uh, Crossing. Yeah, Shabuya, cross Shabuya Road. It sounds like a song to me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, awesome! Yeah, Shabuya is the the place where you see in all the pictures, and and, you know, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift with all the people crossing. So it's like one of the most popular uh, roads in 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 Tokyo. Mm. Um, But I would say the thing that I love the most—I mean, the people were amazing. The people are very kind and shy and. Um, there's just a culture of politeness and uh, respect. I think Japanese people are very big on respect and honor, and I love that about them. Um, and then I just how technology is crazy over there. I think in, in some aspects they're way more advanced than we are. Um, you know, I was take I would take the train everywhere, 
and their their train system is just incredible. <laughs> they got like three different, three or four different trains on the, on the same track, but they all go at different um, speeds. So if you want to skip a station, you would get on one train. If you want to touch every every uh, station, you would get on a different train. If you want to skip like four or five stations, you would get on a, on a super bullet train. So it's like, depending on where you're trying to go or how fast you want to go, you can get on different trains. And that thing runs like clockwork. If you're not on wow. there on the right time, they leave you. It is funny because it's funny because some places in the States are like, I don't know how we're going to get a train to go from, you know, five, you know, from a, a, a simple radius from one town to one time. Like, I don't think we can make it happen. Meanwhile, over in Japan, oh, it's like, and, and, and I'll ask, I'll go a little bit deeper on that. Is there anything in Japan you like, you know what, if they had that in the States, we'd be better off, or it'd be better if we could adapt some of this in, in the States. Is there anything you ever think about? Um, but the train is definitely one of those things, um, you know, growing up in DC, that, that Metro station and, and, and even in New York, just the, the differences is crazy. Um, so, I mean, that would definitely be one thing. Um, I can't think of anything in particular aside from that. Um, I just think they're the way they're organized and the way they're structured, um, is just very unique and, and something that, um, they take pride in, 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 in their culture and their communities. And I think something that's something we can definitely learn from. Um, like you won't see any trash on the floor out there. Like it's very clean and, and, and they, they, you know, they really um, value being from where they're from. And I think we need to, uh, that's something we need to ingrain ourselves or put in our, implement in our, in our society and our community. I think that will help, um, you know, just taking more pride in where we come from and, and, and uh, value in that. I think there's something to be, to be said about that. And I think Japanese people do that very well. Wow, man. You, you talk about value and that's beautiful, man. And we talk about, you know, we talk about game after the, the, the sport that you were, that you participated in, man. So like, let's talk about some of the valuable things that you've been able to do since you've been off the court and some of the things that you are doing right now. Yeah. So my, my transition really started in 2017. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, that, that, that second year playing overseas, I came in the middle of the season. I tell the story a lot. You know, we had a big break. We weren't playing any games, practicing for maybe an hour to a day. Um, and so being overseas, you, you naturally have a lot of time on your hands. And so I didn't, I didn't obviously didn't know my teammates well. I didn't know the city at all. I hadn't, I, I still didn't have Wi-Fi. And so I'm, so I'm t- <laughs> what? How yeah. you have Wi-Fi in Japan? Come man, on, man. Look, the team was on some other stuff. They, 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 did my not, Wi-Fi. they did not want you to be great. If I wanted Wi-Fi, I had to walk to Starbucks a mile away <laughs> and, 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 and get on the day Wi-Fi. But I was sit- so I was sitting in my I was sitting in my loft, man, just just thinking and reflecting on you know my career up until that point and just the amount of you know instability I had to go through and back and forth from overseas, missing, you know, family occasion, missing birthdays, holidays, all that stuff. And I knew that was something I, I didn't want to continue doing for the next several years of my life. So I started to think about, you know, if basketball wasn't in the picture, who would I be and where would I be? Mm. Had no idea. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I started to write as a means of uh, trying to figure myself out and really therapy. And, you know, to make a long story short, um, I started to share that content with other people. 
um, came back home and, you know, I, I published my first book, you know, really just highlighting my story as an athlete, some of the key lessons that I took away from the game. And that started to open up doors as far as speaking, media opportunities, um, and really beginning that transition for me. And so um, that was the beginning of me starting to see myself as being more than an athlete and, and me being able to provide something that was valuable outside of dribbling a basketball uh, to the world. And, um, you know, I started to write for the Huffington Post and, um, you know, started a branding agency. So so did a lot of different things, really just trying to try a lot of trial and error, trying to figure out, you know, what my long term game plan is going to be um, after sports. And, um, you know, it's kind of led me to the point where I'm where I'm at now with athletes and herd and, and how I'm trying to make an impact when it comes to mental health. Yeah, man, Amazing. I, I wouldn't. So when it comes to so you, you mentioned like sharing, you know, the things that you wrote with other people, mm-hmm. you know, so during that process. Right. Did you like get things legalized or did you speak to somebody like when you before you start sharing it with people or you just kind of did it out of the, the goodness of your heart um, and in return of looking for something or like how did, did you have to protect yourself or did you have the mindset? Well, just let me go into it because what a lot of athletes, whenever they transition from the game, they try to do something like that and they probably leave out that part and, and telling the story. And so I just wanted to see if I can, we can catch that. And if, 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 you know, your route was easy or if it was difficult for you to, you know, share something with other people. So, I mean, I'm, I've always been very transparent and open about what I've been through in life and in certain situations that I've experienced. And so I felt like, you know, it was some hesitancy with me telling my story and, and kind of sharing that side of myself. I think, you know, anybody naturally will kind of feel like that. Um, but I felt like if I didn't tell my story, if I didn't talk about the truth, about what it takes to become a professional athlete, then I would be doing an injustice to other people who look up to me, other athletes who were coming behind me who, who might needed that advice. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to really talk about my story and my life, um, I just did it. I just did it because, you know, I wanted to be an inspiration. I wanted to be the person that I needed on this journey. And, you know, I, I got in touch with a, pu- a publisher or editor, um, and went through that whole process and really didn't now obviously didn't know much about, you know, publishing a book or even, you know, what, what that it would entail. Um, but but to me, it was just more trying to learn something new um, and trying to do something that I know would make a difference in somebody else's life. So it wasn't really about me. My story is not about me. It's about how can I use my story to make a difference in somebody else's life? And that's just how I looked at it. And what, you know, what pushed you? to that piece, to making it about someone else, other people, you know, sometimes it's, it, it can be all about us and, and being an elite athlete and elite performer, it very much is about, I got to take care of me. I got to make sure that I'm locked in. So what was it that inspired you to say, you know what? No, this is, this is bigger than me. That's a great question. I think, I think partially it just goes back to my DNA. Um, just who I am as a person. Um, I tell people all the time, like <clears throat> past middle school, I was never the best basketball player on any team that I played for. I played with a lot of really good athletes uh, throughout my life. And I probably wasn't in the top three of the most talented on any team, but I was always the guy who was willing to do the things that other people weren't willing to do and to do anything to help the team win. And so I was always sacrificing myself for the betterment of the team. And so I just look at it in the same vein, like anything we do in life, it's really not about us. Like this podcast is not about me. It's about, you know, your audience. 
you know, what can I deliver? What type of value I can give to your audience? So I, I think that in anything we're doing in life, business, uh, professionally, athletically, you have to look at it as how can I use myself to, to improve or to help the greater cause or the greater mission to help us all succeed. And that's just the, the perspective I try to take and bring to everything that I try to do in life. Um, because that's what that's what it's about. That's ultimately what it is. That's what business is. It's about solving problems for other people. And so um, when you understand that, then it helps you get back to the root of why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Love it, man. So a number of transitions, obviously, you know, pursuit of the dream and then, you know, becoming becoming a professional athlete, transitioning out of that. What was the most difficult part? I mean, I'm going to ask you a question later. It's going to dive into this a little bit more, but what was the most difficult part in all those different transitions? You went to a foreign country where most of the people did not look like you. They did not sound like you, know saying, right? At all. Like some people talk about, I could be someplace different. Like, really? Can yeah. you really, right? So someplace completely different. You know, your ebbs and flows, transitioning out. One of the most difficult parts of all that. It's a tough question. I would probably say walking away from the game. And and mm. I think most athletes would agree with that. Like separating your identity from being something that you've been your whole life. Like I was always Malcolm the athlete, Malcolm the basketball player. And and now becoming Malcolm the author. That <laughs> it's a little different ring to right, it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I never right. had aspirations to be an author. Like it'd be different mm. if that was something I, I always wanted to do. But I had trouble disassociating my identity from being an athlete. Um, and I struggled with that probably up until last year, honestly. So it took mm. me a good three years to really um, see myself as something other than than just being an athlete. And I, and I knew like deep down inside, I knew I wouldn't have, you know, wasn't, wasn't going to be an athlete forever. I think most athletes realize that. Um, but coming to grips with that and, and actually stepping aside from, from that identity um, and figuring out what the next 30, 40 years is going to look like um, is tough, no matter if you are, are LeBron James or, you know, you finish playing in high school. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. It's a tough transition um, and it takes time. So I tell athletes, like, you got to be patient and understand that this process isn't going to happen overnight. Um, so it's yes, while the patience that you, you mentioned, you know, that being an important piece of it. And also for those of y'all listening or watching and the notion of like that we're all human, we all have these struggles. That's what I want people to also understand, because pe- everyone's going to retire from something. Yeah. Everyone's going to retire from something or need to walk away. So sometimes they see a professional athlete, they see you going to Japan. Oh no, it was all, it's easy for him to walk away because they go, wait a minute, what about your own personal life? Because full transparency, I'm one of the uh, the top three point shooters in LA fitness history. I mean, that's <laughs> that's my journey. That if we're gonna talk about it. So now stepping away from the game, you know, it's like am, do I get a new membership? What do I go from here? <laughs> so it happens to everyone, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> we all oh, go through it in some way. Some Heck yeah, Prince. Form. No, that's awesome, man. I love what you're doing. You know, what 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 who was your inspiration growing up um as a basketball player? And with with you making that transition, you know, what was that inspiration that allowed for you to forge for and create, you know, your own lane? Good questions. Um, I would say that my my inspiration as a as a basketball player was definitely Tracy McGrady, but my inspiration in life, T Mac, yeah, T Mac <laughs> yeah, was he was that dude. Uh, yes, sir. 
Um, but my inspiration in life is my mom. Like mm. being a parent growing up in the inner city, um, you know, watching, you know, her sacrifice to raise my brother and I, like I gave her all the credit in the world to to the person I am today. And um uh, she she was the real inspiration for, you know, me wanting to pursue this um dream of being a professional athlete. You know, it was something I obviously loved, but I saw it as a way that I could take care of my family. I think what most athletes do. So um, I gave her, I gave her that credit, um, but transitioning out of the game. I mean, I looked up to a lot of people, um, <clears throat> especially black entrepreneurs, people who I saw that were um, paving the way, um, you know, and, and, and really kind of setting the bar for um, what a, what a black successful business person looks like. And I give, you know, credit to people like Maverick Carter. He's one of, one of the people that you know, I re- highly respect in the sports and entertainment world and what he's done. Um, with LeBron James, I think is nothing short of remarkable. Uh, Magic Johnson and and what he's built. Um, I look at uh, you know being in the media space. I look at a lot of you know black media um, entrepreneurs such as Byron Allen. I think you know he's he's kind of under, under the radar. A lot of people don't know about him. But he's he's a monster. He's 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 very successful. Love money and money will love you back. That's one of his lines. Yeah, yeah, man. Keep going, man. I, I just love Byron Allen as well, so I'm with you on that. Yeah, so, you know, just people like that who, you know, like I said, has, has set the bar and, and um, people who I, I aspire to be like, you know, one day, so. Amazing. So in overcoming life's transitions and things that you've gone through, these transitions you've overcome, and then wanting to help those who are going to have that same experience or those who are experiencing it now, What's some advice that you would give to the younger you? Like you happen to be walking down the street and you run into the younger version of you. Now, what, what's some advice that you give that, that, that younger Malcolm? The first thing I would tell him is to enjoy the, the journey. Like it goes by so fast. Like I retired. It sounds crazy, but I retired from, from the game when I was 25. And, and to think like, like that's that you're so young. You know, and you're so young and that that your basketball career, your athletic career goes by so fast. So just enjoy every single day, the hard practices, the the losses, the ups and downs, like all of that. Just take it in and and really, you know, cherish those moments. So I would tell them that first and foremost. Um, the next thing I would say would, would probably be to um, and it's so cliche, but really have a have a plan for what your life is going to look like after you're done. I think every athlete needs to understand that. Um, and And going back to. Um, role models and, and people who are, are inspirations to me. Um, you know, LeBron James is somebody who I think is a, is a great, um, like the epitome of more than an athlete. I mean, with, with everything that he's doing outside of basketball, um, he, he's showing other athletes that, hey, you can be an athlete and also do this, this, and this. And there's other examples, Serena Williams, um, you know, tons of tons of athletes nowadays who are entrepreneurs, philanthropists, investors. Um, and so I think that they're setting the example for other athletes to, to come um, of, of what an, a modern day athlete looks like and how you have to prepare uh, for that transition early. Um, because going back to how difficult it is, um, you know, it's going to be challenging. But if you have a plan in place and you have an understanding of what your life is going to look like going forward, um, it, it, it helps ease with that with that difficulty of, of making that transition to being, you know, a former or retired athlete. 
Wow. So if, if, if you don't mind me asking, I'm going to ask a, a brief follow-up question to that. How important are your friends? What kind of friends do you have? People often talk about, you know, how important friends are in your network. How important have your friends been throughout this, throughout this journey? That's a good question. I don't think I've ever got that question before. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely think so. I, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of bucket my friends. So I have friends who I, I, I come to certain things when it comes to business and entrepreneurship. Um, but those might not be the same friends that I hang out with regularly or go out, you know, to a bar with. So I kind of bucket my friends in, in certain ways to, uh, where I know how to kind of navigate those relationships. But I think in any regard, um, you know, the people you surround yourself with are essentially going to decide the person that you are in the future. And so you always want to surround yourself with people who inspire you, who uplift you, um, but also that you enjoy being around and that you can just let yourself be who you are around them. And so, um, you know, my friends have been pivotal through this time period, through me trying to uh, figuring out, you know, what my long-term game plan is going to be, whether I need to bounce off, I, you know, bounce ideas off of them or just talk to them about something I'm going through. Um, you know, so, so I think relationships definitely matter in, in, you know, obviously in any capacity of life. Nice, man. So I'll take it back real quick. Um, you mentioned what you would tell your younger self uh, about enjoying the process. How do you tell somebody to enjoy the process when we got to run gases, horses, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know and, 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 and those are moments where we sit down, we question ourselves like, man, should I be in here? You know, I'll be better off playing rec ball or, or doing something else, man. Like I want to play basketball when I feel like it, not when I, I have to, you know, like, so <laughs> like, how would you tell someone to enjoy the process? Like you can tell them that don't mean they're going to listen. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it was me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? What was he talking Enjoy the process, man. Another gas up. Like, ah, here we go again, man. You know, so how do you get people to, like, uh, alter their mindset? It's it's really hard. I think some athletes do get it. I think I think that um, when you really love your sport and you really love the, just the craft to get better, just 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 the overall energy of being around your teammates and, and uh, having that shared mission, that common goal of trying to win, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to look back and you're going to, you're going to find that you did enjoy the process more than you, than you thought you did. You know, even, you know, you, I look back on my college days and I remember some of the hardest practices where like nothing was clicking and our coaches were mad and we just had to run all practice. Those were some of the, those were some of the best days. Like me and my teammates, we talk about those moments to this day. Like you remember when coach did this and this and then so-and-so talked back and we had to do it. Like those are the moments that you, that you look back in hindsight. You're like, damn, like I missed that. That was fun. That was fun. It was tough at the time, but that was the process. Mm. And so I think, I think when you look back on your career, it's the difficult practices and the, the tough days and the the, the, the games and, the, and the, the moments that you never thought you was going to pull through. That's what you really remember. And that's what you cherish at the end of the day. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Well said. It's funny. Those difficult moments really do make people who they are. Mm-hmm. People deny them, you know, sometimes because it's not the sexy thing to discuss. But it's really important that folks like in order to develop, in order to be anything great, because folks, it's funny because folks often admire greatness, 
but that's that's when we're looking at the end product. People see you playing college basketball, professional basketball, and that's what they admire, not knowing what it took for you to get to that elite level. Really quick for those, for, for let's say someone who wants to be elite. I'm just going to say that. What's some advice? Like right now, if you're like, yo, you want to be elite, give them a couple sentences right now. Give them a couple. Someone watching this, they're like, I want to be great. <laughs> what what do you have to say to them, Michael? You could be as candid as you'd like to be. They better fall in love with failure. Um, <laughs> Bar, let me just stop you right there. Are we Hold doing on. that today? We're, we're, we're going to have to repeat <laughs> that one more. You got to say that two more times, man. Okay. Complete the cycle. They better learn to fall in love with failure. I'm telling you right one now. One more time. I'm asking you, please. <laughs> fall in love with failure. I'm Woo! telling you. It's real. I love it. It's real. It's real. It's, it's a part of it all. Like you, you're not going to be one successful person in life in any endeavor that hasn't, you know, effed up or gone through their fair share of failures. It just, it's just a part of the, the game. And so if you don't like getting knocked down, if you don't like, you know, messing up and, and, you know, things not working, going, going your way, then it might not be for you, you know? Mm. And so I think you need to really, have something that you genuinely are connected with, that you are passionate about, that you love and that you can't be without. Because if you don't, you will quit. You will quit because you're going to run into obstacles. You're going to mess up and push comes to shove. Like if you don't love it, you're going to, you're just going to bow out. So fall in love with failure. And, and, and he said it again. I, I want to drop my mic, but I, I'm not able to. <laughs> He's too expensive. You don't want to drop that mic. That's a nice. Brand new mic. You better, you better hold on to that. <laughs> I felt like I had a sexual chocolate moment. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> that boy good. Well, I thought it was a collection plate. I thought it was garbage. Anyway, yo, that's amazing. So, yeah. what's let's what's next? So obviously, best-selling author, you know, moving and shaking at the company that's up and running. What's next for you? If someone said, "Hey, a year from now, where would you like to be? What do you want people to to know about you at that point? What, what's next?" So I'm, I mean, my, my primary focus is building this platform, athletes unheard, and I think you know, with with everything that we've gone through as a country, um, but specifically looking at athletes and then a lot of athletes going without their sport for the, for the first time with COVID and not being around their teammates and being a witness to, to the amount of social injustice that we've gone through this past year. Um, there's a lot of people out here struggling and there's not a lot of resources to help athletes. There's not a lot of outlets to where they can come and they can discuss what they're going through or their emotions or their feelings. And so athletes unheard, we're really just trying to build this community, this safe space um, for athletes to share their stories um, and to, and to really get resources around mental health, because I think it's a topic that's been swept under the rug for too long. Um, and we're just trying to bring it to the forefront and, uh, make sure that that we're in a place to where we could we could be a, a catalyst for this movement and, and really just be a resource for all athletes to to understand that that we care about them. You know, we want you to to be um, in the best headspace on and off the playing field, and and to ensure that um, you know you have the support here. And so that that's 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 my focus. That's you know what's driving me every day. And, and as I said before, I think it's a ton of potential for the platform, and, and we're going to be exploring a lot of different opportunities down the road. Thank you for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, so, so let, let me ask you this then. What do you want your legacy to look like? What do you want people to say about your legacy? 
That's because obviously, hold on, because obviously you only have you the only one that has your name on the internet. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a blessing and it curse. it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> um, I, I want people to remember me as someone who just gave more than he received. I think, you know, going back to, uh, you know, this not being about me. It's about other people. It's about, you know, did I did I spend my time on this earth? Um, serving other people, being a servant and, and really just pouring myself and, and using um, <clears throat> my experiences, my story uh, to to help somebody else li- live a better life. And so that's that's all I'm trying to do here is to to leave this this place a, a little better than, than what I came here as and and uh, be someone who just gave more than you received. Love it. Give more than you receive. Give more than you receive. For those of y'all listening, watching, feeling this, you know, there's uh, people often talk about the the, the ideal world uh, without putting in the effort to create their own personal ideal world. And part of that is being willing to give more than you receive. If we are to live in this world that we say we want to and doing that in our individual places, man, amazing. So how can people, obviously we see on the, the your website, uh, social media on the ticker. How can people learn more about you? Uh, seek you out as an industry professional and lead. How can they learn more about you? Yeah, I'm pretty accessible um, everywhere online, every social media platform. As you said, I'm the only Malcolm Lemon, so I'm not too hard to find. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can check out the uh, Athletes Unheard on every social media platform at Athletes Unheard and our website at athletesunheard.com. So. Amazing. Prince, any final words or final thoughts from you? Man, my final words is just that, man, super proud of you. I love what you're doing, man. Keep doing it. Mental health is definitely something that needs to come to the forefront so we can start strengthening our athletes, our men, our women, you know, and talk about something that um, has been a taboo for a very long time, man. You know, it's it's it's, it's time to, to debrief, speak up about it, right? Because it's very therapeutic. So, I commend what you're doing, man. Keep up the good work. And if there's any way that we can help you, please let us know. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you for this opportunity. Anytime and always. Boom. That just happened. Another rock star (laughs) guest here on Game Beyond the Game. Officially want to thank you, uh, Malcolm, for being here with us, being so transparent and sharing all of your experiences. And for you all that are here watching and listening, thank you for joining us. You know, as Malcolm shared his story. And for those of you all who continue to watch, please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe to the Prince Andrews Jr. YouTube page. Okay, and also make sure you join us here next week, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Game Beyond the Game Facebook page. Until next time, look forward to having you. Be a good one. Peace. Have a good one, y'all. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new show is posted. And please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about our events, courses, and other programming, check out GameBeyondTheGame.com. Thanks so much for listening. Peace.